Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of our podcast, Is Breakfast Included? How are you? Good. Today on the show, I sit down with my old friend, Davies Baird. I've known Davies for over 30 years. He's partially the reason I'm in this industry, and I always give him credit. We've been through a lot together. He's a independent promoter rep, and he tells some stories about that and kind of what he does. Um, this was mainly a reason for me to sit down and kind of catch up with him while I was back in town. Um, he's one of my favorite people, and I believe we'll be friends to the end. Anyway, I found out a lot about him. You'll find out a lot about him, and you'll also find out what I bought him for breakfast one morning in Las Vegas. <laughs> All right, guys, let's check it out. That'll come up. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it will. You're an acquired taste, not a dick. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> not everybody has acquired it, that's for sure. A lot of people aren't even trying. All right, man. Tell everyone who you are. I'm Bernie's buddy, Davies. I, uh, I'm from Dallas, Texas. I've known Bernie 30 years, and that's why I'm qualified to be doing this. <laughs> 30 years. Can you believe it's 30 yeah. years? 92. Yeah. I think that's 30 years by my math. I met you walking out of uh, the Smoking basement. Dave. The basement. Oh, you asked me if you could work for me walking out of Smoking Dave's. You were trying, you were struggling to get your cab in your car. And I said, you need some help? And you're like, yeah. And I was like, you need help at any of your other shows? And you're like, what are you doing Friday? Yeah, I thought I thought we were walking down the driveway of Smoking Dave's Rock Room, and you said, "Can I be your guitar tech?" And I was like, "Sure." <laughs> you don't remember that one? I remember that, but it was after the because ba- I showed up at Smoking Dave's that Friday, and you didn't remember who I was. Well, that's probably. And I'm... then you said, uh, "And then I said, uh, yeah, I was going to be your tech tonight." And you're like, "Oh, okay, come on." Well, I like I like to know that I'd help kickstart your career. And that's where it started, man. That's yeah. where you and I started. Yeah, that's where uh, we started, where you started your, your tech career, right? Yeah. Working See for there, you. Ladies and gentlemen, I gave Bernie his kickstart there. You gave me my thick skin. He's more famous than I ever was. <laughs> um, man, where are you from originally? I was born in Garland, believe it or not. I try not to tell people, but... There won't be any, anybody listening to this anyway, so we're all right. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I was born in Garland, and they moved me over to the Park Cities, Highland Park High School. Or June, and I went through first through 12th grade, Highland Park. I was the only one of the five kids. I was the last of five. And uh, they moved us to the Highland Park School District right before I started first grade. Huh. And I went first through 12th grade, and I don't think it helped a bit. You the only uh, muso musician, oh, yeah. music person absolutely, in the family? Absolutely, My dad was a doctor, and he was not a big fan of the guitar. And uh, my mom was a dancer and singer when she before she got married, and uh, that went away when she got married. She committed to be a, a committed to be a housewife and a mom. And she did a hell of a job. And she's still alive at ninety five. Huh. I met your mom recently. She's she's yeah. doing well. She's, uh, she's still doing well. Uh, we're pretty blessed to have her living, you know, 95 is a pretty good run and she doesn't look like she's winding down at all. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, uh, credit Kiss as the gateway band to playing guitar, to being a, what we call, what I refer to as dirt bags. <laughs> is Kiss your band? No. Kiss was never my band. I never took, I, I give them all the credit in the world for doing what they do, but 
I never took him seriously. When I saw the makeup, I mean, I, the Kiss Alive, I liked that album, but looking at the makeup, I never could figure they were taking it very seriously looking like that. That was always my perception of Kiss. <laughs> and, uh, you know, nothing against Kiss, and they're kicking ass. And I like a few of their songs. You know, like I said, Kiss Alive is a good album. I just, Aerosmith was more my thing. I was always a Joe Perry and Jimmy Page. Those two guys were always who I wanted to be. I, I, you know, it was the look on their face and the fact that they looked like they were working hard to do what they did without a bunch of makeup like Kiss. Mm. I just never could get into Kiss. It's just my, my thing, though. The low slung guitars? Yeah, Les Paul slung as far down as you could barely reach it and uh, a snarly look on their face and playing, you know, doing everything they could. Not great players, but great performers, so I figured. And I said, hey, I can aspire to be a not great player and try to be a decent performer. <laughs> and that's, where, that's what I aim for because I didn't want to uh, – I think it was a good plan because as you get older, you could still play the stuff you used to play. But, you know, if you try to play like some of those real technical guys, you know, eventually it catches up with you. That's yeah. my, my philosophy. Yeah. So I think I was pretty smart when I was 12 years old and thinking about wanting to play guitar. I said, don't get too good. You won't be able to keep up. <laughs> I remember the first, my first band, you came to see us play. Uh, this was after you and I met and I had been working for you for a while or hanging out at your shows working for you. And, and you came to see my band play. And I remember after the first song, you walked up to the stage and you said, quit thinking about what you're playing and just move your legs, move around. <laughs> quit thinking about what you're playing. Did it help? I guess so. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always figure as long as you got a body part moving while you're playing, you're keeping your cadence, you know, and then other than that, you know, just don't be overthinking it. You get on stage and overthink it and you'll screw it up. Did you ever get to see uh, Jimmy Led Zeppelin? I know you've seen Aerosmith. I saw Led Zeppelin 1977 at Dallas Convention Center. I went, my buddy went and waited for the tickets. We got obstructed view, but we just kind of walked around and Got found a good place and yeah, I saw Led Zeppelin. I saw the the show that it really changed me was the Rolling Stones in 1978 at Will Rogers Auditorium, and uh, that you know that that put me in a whole different mindset. That you know I saw what they were doing and I was like, that's what I want to do in some capacity. So you know I, I got into concert production. After the you know, I gave it hell playing guitar, I figured, hey, I got to stay in the business. So that's how I got into the, the promoter rep yeah. thing. And what you do now. Yep. So you were, I think you were, you were doing it when I met you. You were, you were doing runner work when yeah, I, I met you. Yeah, I was a runner. I started out as, a, one summer I was going to be a runner for a summer. And well, here I am still in the business. But yeah, that's how I got started. Running yeah. errands for the bands uh, at, at Starplex here in Dallas. I worked the very first show there at the amphitheater and I still, Rod Stewart. I still go there. It's Rod Stewart. Next night was Aerosmith. The Guns N' Roses opened. It was on their first, you know, real tour. It was Slash's birthday. Guns N' Roses pulled a birthday cake out on stage, and it got all over the stage. And then the production manager, while I was sitting there, came in and yelled at those guys for getting cake on the on the stage. And he said, you know what, Joe Perry could fall down and break his leg again. Because Joe Perry had broken his leg on stage about a year before. But he yelled at him, and they looked like a bunch of little kick pups, man. It was pretty funny watching Slash come in a little Man, we're really sorry. <laughs> it was really funny. I mean, I, I talked to Axel that day for about 30 minutes. He was just sitting, standing outside. Nobody was talking to him. Nobody looking at him. And, 
And it was, you know, he was a real pleasant guy when I talked to him that day. I mean, I was bugging him probably, but he was nice enough to, you know, just shoot the shit with me. But yeah, that was a that was a second show at Starplex. He went to Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses, and you could tell Guns N' Roses were on walking on eggshells because Aerosmith. That's back when they were all trying to be sober, and it was hard having Guns N' Roses around for them. I'm sure, you know, yeah, because those guys were partying. They were enjoying life. Yeah. I remember uh, I went. I saw Guns N' Roses the first time open for Alice Cooper, and me and my buddies went, and we went to see Alice Cooper. It's the time when you just went to every show oh, that yeah. came to town. But Guns N' Roses was his opening act, and my buddy threw a tennis ball on stage during their set for some reason. But as we're driving back to Corsicana, they're on Dowdy Ferry. There used to be some rundown, like there's some nice service stations there. Yeah, the yeah. Other, and we pulled in, and they're their their bus was there but they were all outside and slash was bouncing a tennis ball we're like he got our tennis got ball, ball. <laughs> yeah That's it funny. could have been any tennis ball that was probably it. in our head it was our tennis ball Fuck yeah it was y'all's yeah well you know how many uh, other tennis balls were flying around that day i don't know i don't know why my buddy decided to bring a tennis ball to throw on stage because slash needed something to do later <laughs> <laughs> um so you and i met 93 92, Was it 92, 92, 92, 92 or three, yeah. whenever Johnny Bone, yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and I, I, I started hanging out with you, which to me, man, I'll tell you this, I want to get it on record. So when I'm long gone, people will hear, hear that, that you took, I was a, a naive kid from this crap town of course and, and you took me under your wing and, and I felt like you liked me. I did. You know, like for some reason, I, I felt like, oh man, this this guy, everybody knows this guy, and he's everybody wants. Like you always say, you're an asshole. Yeah, I'm pretty much. I'm a prick. <laughs> but everybody wants to be Davy's friend, and like you would call me and go, "Hey, we're got a show coming up. Meet me here, or come drive me." Was the big thing. Yeah, see, I needed a designated <laughs> driver in those days, and I knew but, you didn't drink. That helped. But no, I mean, you, you know, you were always there, and that helped. I mean, helping me out, shit, you know. I still have the same rig right here, two, two 412s and the two Marshalls, and, man, those heads get heavy as I get older. I and think yeah. the only, I don't know, you might still have it, the uh, the Roland or the... The combo, uh, the JCM 800 combo. Yeah. Too. Yeah, I got rid of that a long yeah. time ago. I but, traded that off for somebody painting my old piece of shit car one time or something. <laughs> but... Yeah, no, I mean, you were, uh, you showed interest and, hey, I, I needed the help for sure. And I was happy to have you. Yeah, but we, I think we, 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 we spent a lot of time together. We did. Uh, back in the storage room. That Hell yeah, right yeah. there on Carrollton. Over right there, there on the Sandy warehouse. Lake. <laughs> a lot of shit happened in that, in that room. Yeah. I had a lot of crazy things happen. I mean, good things career-wise, but, you know, didn't quite go where we were trying. We worked our asses off in that band. Yeah. It was a better band before we got the that previously named individual as a singer, but uh, we had to do something. The other singer was, you know, kind of losing interest. You know, that was the band Vinnie Paul got into, you know, and, and took us into the studio and produced five of our tunes. I still yeah. have all the, all the recordings. Yeah. And uh, Bo Hill flew out from L.A., came to that room and watched us and, asked us where we wanted to go to record the album. So we thought we had the Atlantic deal tied up. And he called Doug Morris, the president of Atlantic, from my little, my phone in that little shit warehouse I lived in. 
a lot of weird things like that happened. You know, that didn't pan out for whatever reason, but uh, it was it was pretty exciting. The first version of that band, Spiders, was we worked real hard and we tried real hard, and then when Bone when when Johnny Bone got in the band, things kind of turned into the, we. It became the Aggression Circle was the name of it, but that's when you came along around that time, and it just kind of went to shit because you know some people can't handle their. Uh, you know, if you're going to party, you need to know what you can do and what you can't do. And there was a certain individual didn't know what he could handle. And so... Uh, There's a difference between a party and a problem? Yeah. It becomes, <laughs> when it becomes a lifestyle instead of a party, you know, then there's a problem. Yeah. And, you know, I can't I can't knock anybody for that help. You know, I, I've had my issues in the past, but I always tried to maintain, you know, to where I could do what I'd had to do, no matter what it was. But, yeah, some people just don't know their limit. <laughs> And, you know, I still know people like that. And I just try to avoid them now. It's, you know, it's unpleasant being around people that are, you know, not themselves. You know, because usually when they become someone else, it's someone you don't like. It's, you know. Yeah, I, I think that's always been my experience. You know, and like, Drunk people annoy the shit out of me is what I'm trying to say. Right now. <laughs> I don't like do. the babysitting. No, no. Well, hell, you used to babysit me by driving me back. <laughs> but it was those pot pies at the end of the night that I wanted. <laughs> I try not to be too annoying, but, you know, sometimes. No. But we used to have some good gigs. We yeah, we had a lot of fun back then, man. Yeah. And uh, you kind of got me into this industry, too, as a runner. Um, well, we'll and- give some credit to Lynn Pryor because she worked for me. I told her to, you know, different people, I'd say, man, that call him, call him for to be a runner when she was looking for people. And I said, call Bernie. And uh, I think she waited a show or two, but she called you, and yeah. uh, you started working. But, I mean, she did. i got to give Lynn credit on that. I haven't seen her in years, but she definitely was. In I thought about Lynn the other day, and I noticed, I re- realized I hadn't heard from her in years. Yeah, I think she moved back to Arizona or something. Yeah. But, yeah, she. I have to give her credit for that. She definitely was in, you know, she, she helped me out back then, and she's the one that called you that day, actually, to come to that show, but I'm, only because I told her to, of course. <laughs> So I'll take a little credit, but that got you kicked started into what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, man. I uh, it was Pat Green. Yep. Yeah, Sean that Murray. For? Sean Murray, that son of a bitch, it stole you from us. I was like, <laughs> yeah, Bernie's good. He said, well, how good is he? I said, man, he's good. He can tune guitars and stuff too. You were off on a run. He said, I really like that Bernie guy. I was like, oh, cool. You know, I was thinking, hey, he likes Bernie. I didn't know he was going to take you away. <laughs> I would have told him you sucked. <laughs> I would have been very selfish to try to keep you, but it worked out for you. Sean um, Murray. I get a lot of questions asked what, like, promoter reps do, and, and you're my first one that I'm talking to. What exactly is a promoter rep? What is your gig on a gig? My job as a promoter rep is to be the liaison between the city and the tour. Tour manager, production manager, whatever they need. They come to me instead of trying to, you know, source it locally, you know, which would be a, a monumental task in every city. So the promoter rep is a production manager, local production manager, promoter rep's job is to make sure everything that the artist, you know, tour needs, make sure they have it. You know, we get on the phone a couple of weeks, two or three, four weeks before their event, their show. And, you know, they send me the rider, and I go through all that, and I make sure everything, all the staff is there, catering, stagehand, security, uh, you know, any special needs, massage therapist. Uh, at one time I had uh, Court, well, not Court, is it Courtney Love that was married to, uh, what's his name, Nirvana guy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, one time I did a show just just as a, an example of uh, over a, a busy day. The tour manager, production manager, I don't know which one it was, came up to me when we, I was doing Courtney Love at the Bronco Bowl. They said, Courtney needs a, uh, a uh, what's it called, the Chinese people with the needles? Uh, Acupuncture. Acupuncturist. She needs a vocal coach and she needs a massage therapist. It was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And she needs it before the show. I was like, well, thanks for the ramp. And I found it. But, I mean, that's, that's the uh, kind of... Uh, that's what happens. They they ask you for just about anything on show day, and you, and you got you know if you're good at what you do, you can get it for them. Is there anything you've ever seen on a rider that you're just like, nah, I was ridiculous. Like, I don't. Well, I mean, only in the hospitality part. I tell them we ain't buying cigarettes, we don't buy underwear. That's that's always been a thing. Other than that, there anything goes. I mean, if they need it, I'll get it for them if I can. You know, I've never. Uh, I don't think I've ever really failed at that. You know, there's been some close calls but i've always been pretty good about resourcing and now i've been doing it so long i pretty much can find anything because i know somebody who knows somebody i mean i had to get pygmy goats a year or two ago just a bunch of pygmy goats because they wanted some uh i think it was a dixie chick somebody wanted them and i got them a bunch of pygmy goats one day you know. To hang out with, or did yeah, they... they just wanted to look at pygmy goats because they're really cute. You ever seen one? Yeah, they're about that yeah. big. They're cuter than hell. They wanted to look at them or something, so we got them for them. We've uh, we've gotten a lot of interesting things for people. Who's the most interesting person you've ever had to work with? You know, I I avoid the artists at any cost, uh-huh. so I really try not to. I did get to uh, when I was a runner. I was uh, doing ACDC. On, I think it was a fly on the wall tour or one of those. One of the tours, you know, Brian Johnson singing, and they asked me, "Hey, can you?" I was a runner, and they said, "Hey, I need you to take Brian to the Four Seasons." I was like, "Well, my car is about the biggest hunk of shit car you ever saw. I paid 125 bucks for this old Toyota Corolla I bought one time, and I drove that car hundreds of thousands of miles. It's a great car, but it was ugly." They said, "Brian won't care." So I backed that piece of junk into the Reunion Arena. It was a long time ago. It was at Reunion Arena in Dallas. Brian jumped in, and I said, Brian, I'm sorry about the old car here. He goes, oh, it's a great car. And I said, I only paid 125 for it. And he goes, can you get another one? <laughs> and I drove him, and we go up this big ramp at, Ameri- at, a, at a Reunion Arena. We're going up the ramp, and there was a bunch of fans that used to always hang out at the top of the ramp whenever there'd be a band. And I pulled by, and O'Brien sitting there had his hat on. You could tell it's Brian Johnson. They all looked at the car. Then they looked at it, shook their heads. Oh, that can't be him because <laughs> the car was such a hunk of shit. We just went right on by, and I drove him out to Four Seasons. We talked the whole way. And later that night, about eight hours, nine hours later, after the show, I walk into the office, and he was in there, and he goes, Davies, how are you, Davies? He remembered my name after, you know, which I thought was pretty cool. He was probably one of the – He's probably the coolest guy I ever met. But I always avoid the artists because I'm kind of, as a promoter rep, production manager, local production manager, it's my job to keep people away from the artists. Yeah. So getting you know involved with the artists, it's kind of counter to what my, my whole philosophy is, keep people the fuck away from the bands. Right now, I've been doing a lot of comedy lately. And that's a different story. Those, you know, those people are approachable. Those people seek you out. Uh, Rob Schneider, uh, he, uh, I've done his show recently, and hell, he was screaming my name, telling me to get in there, drink wine with him in the dressing room after the show. And, you know, and Joe Rogan, hell, I took you and your son, yeah, Joe yeah. Rogan. 
the comics are a different deal, but the, but the bands, I, I keep people away from them. That's my job. That's my job to keep them away from the comics, too. But the comics kind of seek you out. It's a different deal altogether. I think Joe Rogan this weekend, the Friday. He's coming to town. Oh, really? Well, looks like I'm leaving a couple of days early then. Oh, looks like you're going to lose that. <laughs> Wait a minute. I, I, I got to back up this story about the Toyota Corolla for 125 bucks. This isn't the one you sold me for 300 is no, it? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, that was the one I bought from Billy Morgan and uh, the one you bought... I think I paid him five hundred. I sold it to you for three hundred. What did you do? Wrecked it and got and how much you get? Someone backed into me, and um, it was a cop who had who had been drinking all night. Typical Bernie story here. <laughs> backed into me, uh, destroyed the hood. You know, he hit me. He had the jacked up truck, and the, the hood peeled back. And then he was a cop, and he's like, "Hey, I'm a cop." You know, I can take care of this and gave me his license and said, call me tomorrow. His card and his license. He said, call me tomorrow. We're going to take care of this. And so he said, go get a quote. So I went and got a bunch of quotes and it was like eleven hundred bucks. Eleven hundred dollars for this quote. You paid three hundred for the car. So I called him. I said, this is the cheapest quote, eleven hundred dollars. And that's with everything. And he goes, all right. And then his wife got online. She's like, you're trying to fucking, you know, rip him off. And I'm like, hey, he gave me his license. He's a cop. You know, whatever. I don't know what to do with this. And then he took the phone back. This was before cell phones. I was calling him from my telemarketing job from wife, my desk. His wife got pissed. Uh, and um, so anyways, he said, okay, uh, we met up. He gave me a check for $1,100. I gave him his license back. And then a guy at work goes, well, we can go to the wrecking yard and buy a hood and I can put it on for you. So I went and paid 150 bucks for the hood. <laughs> Yeah, it pissed me off when you told me that. If, if I remember correctly, I was like, damn. Yeah, man. But that that's the only car I ever put a transmission in physically. And man, was that a bitch. But that yeah. was a good car you bought from me. But no, and that it, wasn't the same car. No. I do remember the times and how broke I was. I bought the car from you, but I had to pay you in payments for three. See, there's three, it's, it's Easy Dave's uh, card. $300. I had to pay you $300 over like three months. Damn, I'm time. a hell of a guy, aren't I? <laughs> I should have charged him more if I'd known. I uh, yeah, that hundred twenty-five dollar car though. I was a runner. I had a lot of different people in that car. I took uh, Scott Weiland to the doctor in that car one time too. He was he was they were opening for the Butthole Surfers at Bear Park Coliseum. So the day before they were in Houston, and he was driving a golf cart, fucking around, and he and he dumped the golf cart over on its side and hit his head. So their their tour manager the next day, it's a man, do y'all, you know, he asked the butthole service, do y'all have a runner that could take Scott to the doctor? And they loaned me to them. And I called my doctor up. Uh, we had a local rock doc, but he couldn't come on site. So I had to drive Scott over there and I took him to the doctor and, you know, we got him right in. You know, I called ahead and he uh, got a prescription. So I took him up to right around the corner to a, to a grocery store, Tom Thumb, where you go in and you go to the pharmacy, then you have to go check out at the main part. And he got his, while he was waiting on his prescription, I'm over looking at magazines and I see a spin magazine with Scott Weiland on the cover. And on the cover, he had red hair, like when they first came out, remember mm -hmm. when STP first yeah. came out? But he had blue or blue hair, maybe it was blue hair on the cover. And then he had red hair when I was with him because he you know, was fucking around changing his hair color. And I said, hey, Scott, have you seen this? And he looked over and he goes, my first magazine cover, hell yeah. And he picked it up. He was all excited. Then he got his prescription and we went to check out. 
we get in line and because we had to carry it over to like the grocery checkout yeah and we're standing in line and then when he gets up you know we get up there he sets a magazine down and the prescription uh african-american lady uh, running the checkout and she's you know probably 50 55 something you know she just got uh, real nice she looked at him smiled then she looked down at the magazine then she looked back up and then she looked back down at it and then she goes that's you that's you starts going that's you and she was jumping up and down because he was on the cover of the magazine he got all excited and he was jumping up and down they were both going that's you and he was going that's me and they were both it was it was surreal it was really a strange thing but it was they were both just totally into this and i was just going oh damn this is weird <laughs> shit doing what you do have you ever have have you uh met any of your heroes you know, I've, I've met a few of them, but you know what they say, you don't want to meet your heroes because they always disappoint. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've, I've met a few people that, you know, were just kind of pricks. I won't name them. But I'll tell you who uh, another guy I met that was really a cool guy, and that was uh, Dave Mustaine. He, he played at the uh, Southside Ballroom. This is three years ago, I guess. Yeah, it was the runner that week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They rehearsed that. We yeah, and he, he was my buddy. You know, by the end of the thing, he was hanging out in my office. Davies, Davies. You know, he's a good guy. Dave Mustaine's a real nice guy. And my friend Snake told me his bucket list was to meet Dave Mustaine one day. And I called Snake. Hey, you ought to come up here, man. Megadeth's playing. And he was like, oh, yeah, great. And he came up. And after the show, he came into my office. Uh, my buddy Snake did. And he sat down. He said, man, that was a great show. And I said, well, hang tight. You'll meet Dave in a minute. He goes, no way. And then Dave comes in after the show. Davies, man, how's it going? And just shooting his shit. And I said, Dave, this is my friend Snake. He sat there and talked to me, to Snake for probably a half hour. He just made his life, you know, Snake. Anyway, Dave's a good guy, you know. I had had previous encounters with him in the past, like 98, 99, around then when he was touring. And I don't know what was he had he had a little different attitude back then. He was kind of a he was a little hard to know, and he would remember my name, but it was never pleasant when he would use my name. You know, <laughs> uh, but uh, he he he, he I, was still a little bitter back then. Yeah, too. he was a little yeah, understandably so. But uh, no, he's he's a he's a great guy. Every time I've seen him in the last ten years, he's always been fairly pleasant. You know, yeah. he doesn't always go out of his way to come say hi. But that week, they were I forgot they rehearsed that week. But yeah, that he was in my office a lot that week. He was my buddy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He, I mean, he was a he was a nice guy. He was just very very particular. He, he individual definitely knows what he wants. Exactly. And you gotta you know, and I can appreciate that because I'm sure he's had plenty of what he doesn't want. You don't know what you want until you've had what you don't want, I guess. But, uh, other, you know, Dave Mustaine, I've met a bunch of people. I just, you know, you forget until you start thinking, of, you know, somebody brings the name up and then you go, oh, yeah, I've got a story about that. I mean, I met Joe Perry when he quit Aerosmith and he went out on his own. He played right up here, right up the hill from where I live. It, there used to be the uh, Agora. Mm-hmm. Was it the Agora? Palladium and then the Agora. Yeah. And uh, he was up there doing his solo tour that uh, – let your let the music do the talking tour, and I went in there, just walked in there because my buddy was working as a stagehand. He said, "Man, Joe Perry's up here just doing nothing." I was like, "Cool!" And I lived over in the Park Cities. I was probably nineteen, eighteen. I I went uh, went walking in the front. Nobody stopped me. Nobody looking. There's Joe playing pool by himself, and he was like real thin. And I have a feeling he was deep in the addiction days back then. Yeah. And he was thin as, I mean, thin and white and just looked really, 
he looked rough, but he was playing pool by himself, and I sat there and bothered him for about 20 or 30 minutes, you know, until he was done and done answering questions for me, and then he walked off. But he was nice. He was pleasant, you know. I remember I told him, good luck, Joe, and he looked at me like, I think that's over. You know, it was really funny the way he looked at me like, kid, I'm done. It's over. <laughs> and that was before, you know, their whole reemergence. But it was, it was. They was came so back cool. with a vengeance, didn't he they? He was a hell of a guy. He was, a, he was pleasant to me. You know, I could tell he would rather I had not walked up and started bugging him. But he was nice. He answered questions. I asked him dumb questions. Uh, like, who did most of the leads? You or Brad Whitford? And I've been to every Aerosmith to show. You know, I kind of knew it was a 50-50 thing, really. But. I just wanted, you know, I just needed something to ask him. What else are you going to ask Joe Perry? I didn't really think about the questions. I just walked up and started bugging him. So that that experience, like you going up to Joe Perry, asking a lot of questions, you you were a fan as well. Oh fuck yeah! Like in this industry where that that we're in, I run across a lot of people who pretend that we don't do it because we're fans. I'm still a fan. I if if there's an artist I like, I still go up and go, hey, can I get a guitar pick? Just, just because you know, that's my guy. You know, you know? I've, I've never been big on trying to collect things. I've just my whole thing was I knew if I didn't make it playing guitar, I was gonna have to do something in that industry because this is the only thing I know anything about. Really, I would not be good at much else. I mean, I've I've been a framer. I've been a, you know I've done trim carpenter that kind of shit. And I've just I don't enjoy it. Hell, I damn near cut my finger out being a trim carpenter. So I was like. I think I won't do that anymore. It's uh, I prefer to uh, you know be in the industry I know something about you know. Although yeah. the industry's changing and there's a lot of different aspects. I mean, music has gotten so so categorized. There's a lot of shit that comes through that I don't know what the hell they're talking about half the time. But I mean, I can fake my way through anything. I uh, you know I I know who to call if I have a question. You know. Like I said, I have enough resources now that if there's something comes in and there's somebody asking me about something, I mean, they they won't totally stump me, but I'll be like, I don't really, I'm not really brushed up on a lot of the EDM stuff. So I know that I have a local EDM guy I call and he answers that question for me and I can take care He knows of it. all the lingo. Yeah, there's a lot of lingo and a lot of extra, you know, that shit is, there's so many different things that those shows, you know, all the, all the new production stuff people bring in you know you can't really know everything about all of it but i can definitely get it for them i don't care if i know what it is or not i can get it for them it's uh you know you just got to kind of fake your way through if you don't know and most of the time they don't know you're faking it that's yeah. always been my thing uh any new anybody that's starting out as a promoter rep you know trying to do it i said here's what you do they ask you something you don't know the answer. You say, hey, give me about five minutes. I'll be back. They go around the corner and you call me or you call somebody else and we'll give you the answer. Never let them see you sweat, you know, just yeah. like the commercial. You know, I've been on some pretty big tours and I watch big production managers and tour managers still faking it till they yeah, make it. You have to. You know, you know and they do it with such confidence that you're like, I'll follow this guy anywhere he tells me to go. Fuck, you can bullshit your way through a lot. I mean, I try not to have to do any, you know, I... Like I said, I mean, I can tell anybody, I can come up with an answer, you know, but sometimes I got to say, hey, give me a second on that. And I'll be right back with you. Or, uh, hey, I got to take this call. You know, anything to get away, you make a call, find out what the hell they're talking about, come back knowledgeable in the subject. Yeah. That's, that's the way to do it. I mean, I don't do that a lot, but that is uh, one approach. I don't want to mislead anyone to think I'm faking my way all the way through it. Although <laughs> I was doing it for a while when I first started. You know, you really just have to, 
it's just a matter of, you know, you want to lead, you want to follow. I've never been big on following, so I figured, you know, I better be the lead in my area. It's better for me. Well, man, um, thank you for yeah. sitting down with me. Thank you for telling everybody what you do. I've always looked up to you as as a mentor. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I think we don't we don't say things enough, but... While I'm here, I was just, I I like to say, did you coming from where I came from, uh, crossing paths? I always say you cross paths with with who you're supposed to cross paths with. We've been friends for thirty years, and I don't think I've ever told you, dude. Like you've saved my life more times than you know. When I needed somebody just to talk to, or we even just to hang out with, like you were so cool in my eyes when I met you, and the fact that you kind of accepted me, you know, and you yet. I remember you saying something like, hey, you want a beer? I don't drink. More for me. You know? <laughs> so there was never any of that. So to meet people like you, I just wanted to tell you, like, I've always looked up to you. You you know, in these 30 years, I don't think we've ever lost contact. I don't think I've ever had a bad word to say about you. I hope you never had a bad... I don't, I don't, I don't you know. think we've ever had a crossword or anything. Yeah. But I think you and I are both things. in... You, by, you and I are both in the same industry where our phone call, our phones ring a lot about things like you don't hear from somebody for years and then they, your phone rings and they want something, Yeah, you know, and you've, you've always busted my balls about that. <laughs> Coming from where I came from, I had never met anybody that could get me into shows free. Yeah. But I tell you this, man, to this day, everyone I meet, your name comes up when they ask me, like, how did, how did you get started to doing this? Like you're one of the constants in my life that I know will always be there. Well, that's so. what we talked about a long time ago about the guitar. It's yeah. going to be the constant. Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that, Bernie. You're, you've always been a good guy, always been my friend, and my, I love you as well as I could love anyone. Thank you, man. Now that we've got all that out of the way, you know it's called Is Breakfast Included. So if it was included, what would you have? I don't know. It seemed like when I went to Vegas and you bought me breakfast, <laughs> I had a, eggs over medium, bacon, and uh, pancakes and coffee. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what I'd have again. Right Maybe on, hash man. browns too. <laughs> I appreciate that, by the way. If I didn't thank you for buying me breakfast, oh, no, for hooking me up for the concert the night before. <laughs> that's any time, man. Hey. We, you, I know you've hooked me up enough times that if I could do it one time, uh, you know. Anything I could ever do for you, Bernie, you know that. All right, brother. Well, thank you for your time, dude. Thank My you for pleasure. doing this. My pleasure. All right. See ya. Right on, Davies Baird. Great guy, huh? Uh, I really appreciate him taking time while I was home to do this. A lot of times I reach out to people about interviewing them that I because I find them interesting, and I think you will. This is one of those times that I did, but also I wanted it to go on record how I felt about Davey. He's one of my oldest friends, and I meant it when I say that he's done a lot for me in my life. Um, like I said, he's a great guy. You don't need to find him on social media. He's kind of a private person. All right, guys, I am done. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.